Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda Davis. I'm Linda Davis. Before we dive into God's Word today, just a little about myself. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing keys to abundant living with others. So if you haven't already got your coffee, go grab a cup and join me today as I talk about walking in a sound mind. Walking not with a spirit of fear, but with power, love, and a sound mind that God has already given to us. We just need to activate this. I'm going to be speaking out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, mainly verse 7, but we'll go a few other places. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it tells us, actually it's Paul, and he's writing a letter to Timothy at the time, but he says in this particular verse, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what he's in. He's actually encouraging here. He's not rebuking Timothy in any capacity. If you go back a little bit, um, he's writing this letter because he's been led away by the Roman soldiers to Rome. And Timothy was in tears when he left. It says that a few verses back there. He says, as I, I think verse four, as I remember your tears. Timothy was concerned. Timothy was worried. Like Christians were being persecuted at this time. Believers were being persecuted at this time. And Timothy was fearful of his role as a leader with Paul leaving. So Paul was reminding Timothy, it's not even about me, Timothy. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Like he's encouraging, remember that. Remember what God did give you, Timothy, and us. God gave us power, his power, his love, and a sound mind. So I want to I want to first make this statement in regards to fear. The best way I could define fear is the enemy lying to us and us believing that lie over God's word. When you look up the Greek word of fear, it's dilea which basically translates out to mean timidity, fearfulness, and cowardice. It's like a backing up, a backing down. I'm afraid I'm not going to approach that situation. I'm not going to challenge that situation. Or I'm going to turn and run in fear. I'm going to cower. Which really, we are not in a season of backing down at all. We are in a season of rising up in that power, in that love, and in that sound mind that is already in us, right? We have to cause that to rise up. It's so vitally important. We really, as, as globally as a world, I would say, but even especially as a nation, and then bring it down to Christian, right? We are in a such a time as this, like we've not ever seen before, and we need to know where is our hope? Where is our trust? Where is our faith lie? In God. And it's from God. And we cannot, we cannot be in fear. So, and I will say this, right? So there's a spirit of fear. And then there's just being fearful in a moment. Those are two different things. We all, every one of us have moments of fear. A moment but you can't camp out there. Don't invite it into your home, into your heart. Moments of fear are not a spirit of fear. That's the difference. 
if you dig down even a little further of the Greek word of fear being dilia, if you go more to the root word of fear from Strong's definition of the root word of fear, the root word of dilia is does. D-O apostrophe E-S. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But it basically translates out to be dread, timid. Again, that word timidity, faithless and fearful. That's what the root word of dilia means. And in that translation, faithless really stood out to me. Are we faithless or are we faithful? Right, We are the only ones that can answer that question. Our, our actions and our words will tell us which one we are if we're unsure. But let that be a red flag to us. If we genuinely know in our heart that we're being faithless, we have to be on alert, on guard. We have to stand up and do whatever it takes to make sure we are not inviting that spirit of fear in because the spirit of fear will absolutely rob you of your power in God, of your love in God, and of your sound mind. But also, moments of fear are not a spirit of fear. So please don't forget that. But we cannot be faithful and we cannot be fearful at the same time. So if we recognize we're being fearful. We have to stop and do whatever it takes for us as an individual to stir that faith back up. We all have faith in us. We all know, talking about what God has given us, right? He has given us a measure of faith and we know this. So we have to stir that up in those moments of being fearful to make sure they don't give way to a spirit of fear. Being faithless is functioning from a a place of fear, having doubt, having unbelief that God is who he has always said he is and that God will do what he said he's going to do. And he is always, regardless of how it works, looks, regardless of what is taking place, he's always working things together for the good of us that love him, always. We cannot doubt this fact. If we doubt this fact, we are faithless. We are functioning in fear. No matter if the situation in our life is good or the situation in our life is bad, God is working that situation for our good in the long run. And we have to trust that. We have to remain in faith to that fact right there. We have to quickly reverse those oh no moments of fear which we all have, right? We'll have a moment, something happens, and it's like, oh no, oh oh, oh no, my health, oh no, my finances, oh no, my job, oh no, uh, my vehicle, oh no, uh, whatever it might be, oh no, for a friend, oh no, for, for a child or a parent, whatever the oh no is, it's understandable to be there for a moment, but we cannot stay there. We've got to quickly reverse that and say, oh no, God's got this. Instead of just a defeated, oh no. No, just have an oh no that rises up and be like, oh no, God's got this. Because anything beyond a moment of fear, we are embracing that spirit of fear, which is not a spirit released from God. 
That's the biggest thing we have to focus on. Again, 2 Timothy 1.7 clearly tells us that what? God did not, did not give us a spirit of fear. So if we are functioning in fear, it's coming from somewhere else, and it's not God. And there's a few scriptures I want to share with you about Jesus himself correlating the functioning from a place of fear as a result of having little faith. In Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse 30, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So this is talking about worry, right? And worry is a branch to the root of fear, right? So we'll say roots the fear, roots the, the root, fear is the root. Fear is the base of the tree. And then there's these other branches that come out because we're in fear. They come out. One of them for sure is worry. When we worry about this and we worry about that and how's this going to take place? How am I going to do that? We're trying to work it. We're trying to manipulate it. We're trying to figure it out and resolve it on our own, right? Trying to analyze it, whatever that might be. And I'm not talking about planning. I'm not talking about being responsible because, of course, that's something we're supposed to do. We're supposed, we're told to count the cost. But I'm talking about from an unhealthy place of fear and worry, then we are not standing in faith and trust. Worry and anxiety are a branch from the root of fear. Fear has a lot of branches. And worrying over what is next is being faithless. And that is one of the branches. Another verse is in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26. Jesus asks the question to his disciples, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? This is in the middle of a storm. We can't miss that point. Like Jesus is calling this disciples out, not in a nice peaceful season. In the middle of a storm, he is expecting the disciples to function from a place of faith and not a place of fear. In the very middle of the storm, he's calling them out. Can you imagine saying that to one of your friends or one of your family members right there, just in the middle of a mess, right? I mean, the boat's rocking, right? The waves are hitting their life. And you look, and they have a little bit of doubt or they have a little bit of anxiety, right? And you look over at them and you're like, what's your problem? Where's your faith? That's basically what Jesus is doing that, doing here. He's like, why are you fearful, oh, you of, oh, you of little faith? And it just really stood out to me this time reading this verse that it was in the very middle of the storm that Jesus had the expectation of them to be in a place of faith and to stand firm and not waver regardless. And when they did waver, he accused them of having little faith. He confused, he he accused them of doubt in their life. Like, why are you doubting this situation? Even though the situation looks terrible, like in they're in the middle of it. I mean, when you go back and look at Matthew 8, 26, and you go back even a few more verses than 26, it actually says there arose a great storm. So he's expecting them to have this faith and not to waver in a great storm. 
he's calling them out for their doubt. So we have to basically, we have to stand in faith no matter what. We have to know where we stand. We already have to be anchored in the truth of God's word because faith and doubt cannot hang out together. They can't basically be in the same boat. They can't. So another verse Jesus calls them out is in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. Jesus immediately, he's talking to Peter here. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, this, of course, is when Peter is stepping out of the boat. He has a moment of faith. He starts out in faith. Like, he's like, I, Jesus, you just tell me to step out of this boat and come to you, and I'm coming to you, right? I, Peter's confidence before the moment was great, really, if he could have just continued it in the moment. And he eventually got there, obviously, but he's learning. This is a learning moment, and it's learning moments for us, absolutely, right? Faith, we're given all given that measure. We build and strengthen our faith. So in this moment, right, of course, here we are, the waves again. The waves are rocking again. And uh, Peter says to Jesus, bid me to come and I'll come. Now, I'll give Peter this. He was the only one that actually stepped out of the boat. I'll give him that, right? And you and I are like, my gosh, Jesus is right there. Like, what? Why wouldn't you just keep walking? I'd keep walking, right? I, I think about this in my own mind. Like, I, I mean, Jesus is right there. I've already seen him do some miracles. Like, he's right there in front of me. And he told me to come, so I know he's got me. We think that in our own mind as we're reading this story about Peter, but we do this in our own modern way all the time, right? We ask Jesus for a word. We ask him for something, a direction, guidance. He gives it to us, and then we hesitate. That's what Peter did. He only hesitated, and that's all it needed to get him off course. All he needed to get him rattled was that hesitation. <laughs> and Jesus is like, oh, you of little faith. Didn't encourage him at all. He's not like, wow, Peter, you know, I'm so proud of you for getting out of the boat, but now you messed it up a little bit. But boy, you, this is what we'd say to people today, but you got out of the boat and that was so good. That's such a good job. You did so good. Maybe next time you'll get further. No, he's like, why'd you doubt? Like, what, what, what'd you do? What's up with that? You know, and Peter, he did what many of us do in our own ways today. He started in faith and then he started looking at circumstances around him and he let the circumstances around him overtake his thoughts. Now he's talking to himself like he's stupid, right? He's like, what were you thinking, Peter? Like, what are you doing out here on this water? Are you nuts? No, no, get back in the boat. No, in the moment he started looking at the circumstances, see, remember I said faith and doubt can't hang out? The moment he started looking at the circumstances, instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus and the word Jesus gave him, instead he's looking at the circumstances. Now that doubt comes in, it's either he's in faith and he's walking on the water or he's in doubt and he's sinking. It's one or the other. He's not doing both. And instead of keeping his eyes on what was before him, which was Jesus, he let doubt and even I would say reasoning, come in and lead way to fear. And he started sinking. We can not let the facts of something go against the truth of God's word and begin to cause fear in our lives. 
Now, facts are facts, and they're out there, and they're real, but we can't let those overtake the truth of God's word because the truth of God's word is out there also, and it is real also. So we don't ignore facts, but they do not have to rule and reign in our hearts. That's the difference. We should always stop and ask ourselves when we feel fear or doubt or worry or anxiety, whichever branch you want to grab, when we feel those things creeping in, we do have to stop and ask ourselves, what does God's truth say about the facts that I'm staring at? Because God's truth, if we let it take over our mind and give us that peace, if we let it take over our heart and bring us to a place of rest, it will give us a peace that passes understanding and it will strengthen us to stand regardless of how much those waves are rocking. One more verse, Matthew 16, verse eight. Actually, I do have to say this. I think I quoted the wrong scripture when I was talking about Peter getting out of the boat. I might've said Matthew 16, eight but I actually meant Matthew 14, 31. So just in case I said that, I was talking about Matthew 14, 31. That's where Peter gets out of the boat. Matthew 16, eight is when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O you of little faith, why reason you among yourselves because you have brought no bread, right? So we have to jump up a few verses on this one. What is Jesus talking about? He's just trying to share a parable with the disciples. All these verses, like this, these are his disciples he's talking to. But I want to go up a few verses. In verse six, Jesus says to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse seven, and they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread, which now verse eight that I already read. When Jesus perceived, he said unto them, oh, you of little faith, why reason you among yourselves because you have brought no bread? They're trying to reason. And when we logically understand something or we try to reason something in regards to the Lord, right? We're fighting directly against the faith that Jesus desires us to have because we're, we're he's trying to show us something spiritual and we're re- do, using worldly reason with it. And that just doesn't work. And that's what, that's what they're doing here. The disciples, they're trying to logically understand which is fighting directly against the faith that Jesus desires them to have. And in verse nine, he says to them, do you remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? I mean, I think he's getting a little frustrated here. And he's like, like, how easily could you forget? Like, I'm not even talking about bread, okay? Like, I'm not talking about bread. But if I were, that doesn't even matter. And you're trying to reason the point about bread again, because we already had this discussion before we fed the 5,000. It didn't matter when we had 5,000 to feed that we didn't have bread. Why would it matter now if I was talking about bread? But I'm not even talking about bread. I'm just trying to give you an example. You're focusing on the wrong thing is what he's telling them. Whether you have bread or now right now doesn't even matter. Because you're focused on the natural when I'm trying to talk to you about the spiritual. And that's what we do also. When we bring reason into it, when we bring doubt into it, we bring worry and anxiety and all that other stuff. Like when I read the Bible, like even I was talking about, boy, Peter, you know, I would have got out of the boat. I would have stayed focused on Jesus, right? We always see ourselves through a different lens. Those waves wouldn't have bothered me, right? No, 
No, if I walked with Jesus, I would believe everything. I would have the faith that was necessary, right? Uh, I wouldn't have murmured in the desert if I was the Israelites. Once Jesus brought, God brought me out of Egypt, I wouldn't have done that. I, w- I would have believed Noah. I would have, I would have believed Noah. That's what we think, right? Man, when, I, when I've got a uh, fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day leading me, how could I ever get off the path God has for me? But we do it all the time in our modern way of thinking. We question, we doubt, we worry, we panic, we have anxiety, and we dance with fear. That's what we do. And we can't do it. We cannot invite fear into our home to stay a while. I've said it before. You're going to either be in fear or faith. You have to make the choice. And I would encourage you to stand and remain in faith by choosing to be in the spirit. Because you'll be in one or the other. It's, one, it's only one or two choices. We're either in the spirit and we're in faith or we're in the flesh and we're in fear. That's it. We're walking by the spirit or we're walking by flesh. It's that black and white. And Romans 8, 5, and 6 tells us this. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, which would be fear, which would be natural circumstances that that the disciples were doing above. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit, which would be faith in any situation, no matter what. For to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind of the spirit is life and peace. And I want to leave you with one more scripture about this that should really provoke you. And again, it's Jesus talking and it's in Revelation. We're jumping all the way to Revelation. We're talking to the, we're, we're jumping to the end game here. Revelation 21, 8. And I mean, this is a harsh statement about unbelief, about being fearful. Really kind of jolted me, honestly, a little bit because it's intense, the grouping that Jesus puts fearful and unbelieving with, just having faith, just being faithless. The the grouping that he gets grouped with, that he puts it with is very weighty. I will say that. So he says in Revelation 21, 8, but the fearful and unbelieving, Now, this is who they get grouped with, the abominable and the murderers and the sexually immoral and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars, okay, (laughs) shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So some of these seem to be, and you know, I wish I I could put quotations around the word seem there right? Seem to be weightier sins and others not so weighty are clumped in with them. But honestly, sin is sin to God. And that's the truth of it, right? We're the one that puts weight on the scales of importance of different sin. Oh, that's not so bad. That's just a little lying. Well, according to Revelation 28, lying is the same as being an idolater, a sorcerer, a murderer, sexually immoral, being fearful, is the same thing as being abominable and a murderer and a sorcerer and an idolater and a liar and sexually immoral? Like this should provoke us. I'm not going to entertain a spirit of fear. I'm not going to entertain my flesh. I am going to do all I can do to set my mind on the things of the spirit, to walk in the fruit of the spirit, to control my emotions and my feelings, and remain in faith and trust and not give way to fear. 
Giving way to fear has great consequences. When we are in fear, we are not in power, we are not in love, and we do not have a sound mind. We are in the flesh, we are functioning from a place of self and not a place of being led by the Holy Spirit. We cannot put ourselves, we cannot set ourselves in that place, right? Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Set your mind on the things of the flesh. Make that decision in yourself to set it up to focus on the flesh. Set it up to focus on the Spirit. We have control over our own minds. That's why we're told to renew them daily. We're also told the fruit of the Spirit is to be self-controlled. So we have to determine to give permission to our mind. We are actually giving permission to our mind on which area it's going to focus. I give permission to my mind to focus on the flesh or I give permission to my mind to focus on the, on the spirit. It really is our choice. So to allow the spirit of fear, which God did not give us, to have place in our heart and our mind and allowing it to rule and reign in our hearts and our lives has quite the impact, right? Ultimately, the end game is that according to the word of God, that when we make those choices, we're going to have our part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's powerful. So we have to, and we're given three safeguards to protect our hearts and our mind in 2 Timothy 1.7 and against allowing fear to take root. And it's like Paul saying to Timothy, you know, I wish I could give you an example, you know, like turning somebody's head. He's turning his head. Paul's over here. He's eyeing fear. He's looking to the right and he's looking at fear and God's taken it up. Uh, Paul is taking his head and he's slowly turning his head from the right to the left. And he's saying, no, Timothy, don't look at fear. That's not from God. Here, look over here on the left. Look at the power. Look at the love. Look at the sound mind. That's from God, Timothy. That's from God. Put your name in the blank. That's what you should focus on, right? These three things. What do, So we know, Paul says, God did not give us fear. But what does Paul say God gave us? He gave us power. God gave us his power. His power dwells within us. We've been given the authority of Christ. Jesus died. He went down to hell. He grabbed the keys, rose back up, so we would have power and authority through his shed blood. To what? Trample on scorpions, according to Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus said, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Like Jesus has got us. Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, they have our back. They're standing behind us very close. There's no room for anybody else there. They've got us. Anything we have to face, anything we find get ourselves getting fearful over, any giant we're standing there facing, no matter how big it is, they're behind us. Like they stepped up behind our back and they're like, we've got you. And we'll step right around you and in front of you if we need to. We've got you. They're there within us and they're standing behind us and they will step in front of us if they need to do that. The thing we do is we forge forward in faith. We walk in that armor of God that Ephesians 6 talks about, right? That gives us all that frontal coverage. 
and they cover our rear guard. They are the armor of protection from behind that will undoubtedly step in front and take over if needed. We just keep forging forward in faith. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have got you. They've got me. And they've already placed their power and their authority inside us as blood-bought believers of Jesus. That's one thing that we have to combat any concern of fear. What's, what else does Paul say God gave us? He gave us love, his love. The God of love is in us, in our earthly love, right? When we love someone that's in any kind of t- type of difficulty, is there anything that would stop us from helping them? Of course not. It's the same with the love that we have from God. It's an even greater love. Love conquers all. And his love for us is greater than any love we could ever walk in. Matthew 7, 11 tells us that if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? His love is that much more greater than any love we can have ever experienced here on earth. That's powerful right there. We rest in his love for us. And what does that do? That leads us to the sound mind. When we understand and we anchor ourselves in the place of having the love of God and the power of God, we walk in a sound mind, a mind renewed in Christ. We're told we can have the mind of Christ. We're told we can have a peace that passes all understanding. We're told that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. We can have a self-controlled mind. We do not have to run away with any fearful thoughts, any anxiety, any worry, any concern. No. Because why? We're self-controlled as we're in the Spirit. We're setting our mind on things of the Spirit. I'm not saying a thought won't try and come in, but our minds don't have to run away from it. We cast down that vain imagination. We've got to stir up what's inside of us. And that's kind of what Paul, actually, if you go a few verses back, is telling Timothy, right? So we're reading in verse 7, but Paul's saying before that, it, hey, Remember your lineage? You know, remember that amazing faith of your mother and your grandmother? You have that same faith in you, Timothy. Stir it up. Just like us, right? No matter how many experiences of faith, and I'll say this, that should be encouraging because really Timothy came from a great lineage and then he walked with Paul, but he still was battling. Obviously, he was battling some fear for Paul to write this. So even though he came from all this, doubt and fear was potentially creeping in. And that's what was concerning Paul. So just like us, no matter how many experiences of faith we have, no matter what our lineage may or may not be, and regardless of how many times we've seen God show up over and over again in our lives, we have to be on guard for doubt and fear creeping in. And we have to tell ourselves, we may not have that Paul in our life. We may not have somebody give us a phone call, shoot us a text, right? Uh, uh, send us a letter, whatever, however that contact would be saying, hey, no, remember this? We may not. We may just have to stir it up ourselves, just like David did, right? We've got to choose to stir it up. We've got to choose to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We've got to choose to stand in faith. We've got to choose to forge forward, knowing God has our back. This is what David did. And this is what Timothy's basically telling, uh, Paul's telling Timothy, Hey, no, 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 no. Remember where you came? No, remember this, remember that? You can do this. Stir it up. He says, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God in verse six. 
that is in you by the putting on of my hands. We all have to at some times remember what's in us, what we're carrying in the Lord. Like David, right? After the Amalekites invaded Ziklag and took all the women and all, I mean, such a discouraging time for David and all his men. They took everything. And I mean, David, David's own men. We thought Job went through it. Like David's going through it here. His own men want to take him out. And David is so, it says, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because, and they had reason, you know, they weren't just being finicky. The soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. Also David's soul was grieved and the men want to kill him. What does David choose to do here? Exactly what we talked about earlier. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. What did he do? He set his mind on the things of the spirit. I mean, David's pretty stressed out here. I don't know if we've experienced, some, some people have, some, but he's pretty stressed out here. And he really could have allowed fear to just totally sap every last drop of strength because he was greatly distressed, it said, but he didn't. He didn't. He strengthened himself in the Lord. I mean, one thing I'll say about David, as imperfect as a man as he was, he knew where to turn to. He knew only God could meet him in certain places. And I'll say this also, if you continue on to read in 1 Samuel 30, because David made the choice to set his mind on the things of the Spirit and strengthen himself in the Lord, not only did he get encouraged in the Lord, but God gave him clear directive of victory over his enemies. And of course, they go on to recover all. And even Jesus, I mean, if we want to go there, Jesus even needed to turn to God for encouragement during a time of what great distress. I mean, he know, he has an understanding of the torture, basically, he's about to go through. In Luke 22 at verse 41, he what? He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's what we, that's all God wants from us, to have the faith to say, I don't want to go through this. I'm afraid of this. But no matter what, I want your will to be done, not my will to be done. So strengthen me if I need to go through. And in verse 43, it says, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. God will never abandon us. He will never leave us in that place as we turn to him for strength. But we must turn to him first for him to do so. And I want to remind you of this. We do not have to accept what God has not given us. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not. So we do not. You don't have to answer the front door just because somebody's knocking at your door. No, you're not welcome here. Like, I didn't invite you over. I didn't ask you to come talk to me about uh, water softener. Like, no, I'm not opening the door for you. So if I didn't, if I don't want fear in my house, I don't have to open the door to the spirit of fear. Because you know what? You have to be careful and cautious and keep your mind set on the spirit because it happens that quick. You know, like a, a great example I can think of is when we open a door just barely or for a moment real quick and a fly gets in the house, right? It happens that fast. And what does the fly do? 
Like it bugs everybody in the house. It gets all over everything. It flies everywhere. It puts its germs on everything. Like my husband, he's on a mission when there's a fly in the house. Like that thing is not going to live. Like the towel comes out and it's on. Like he's not going to stop. He's relentless until the fly gets killed or it's out of the house. Think of that spiritually. Think of that fly as fear. When we allow fear to come in the home or in our minds or our hearts and wander around and it stays, it's going to get germs on everything. It's going to bug every relationship we have. It's going to impact everything until we get it out or we kill it. That's it. So we seriously open the front door of our mind and our hearts and we tell fear, spirit of fear, you've got to go. You have overstayed your welcome. I never I never invited you. You slipped you slipped in. Pack your bags up. It's time to go. You're not from God. I don't want you here. God did not give us the fear. He gave us power. He gave us love and he gave us a sound mind. And don't in this season neglect what's already been functioning in you. That's the power as a bud blood bought believer of Jesus Christ. That's the authority that what that the shed blood gave to us and put in our hand. His love and the peace that passes all understanding, the sound mind, the mind of Christ, those things that are already in you. And if you have to do like David did and reach back about that lion and reach back about that bear, reach back about those experiences that you've already conquered in faith and even just remind yourself, I'm already an overcomer. I'm already more than a conqueror. And I'm gonna use that now because God equipped me back then. He's gonna equip me now to take out whatever uh giant fear is in front of us trying to creep in. Remember to stay in the spirit, to set your minds on the thing of the spirit and not the things of the flesh. Walking by the spirit of God and never with a, with a spirit of fear. I believe we need to be ready at a moment's notice and we need to be ready to go forth in ways we probably didn't expect. And we're going to need to be anchored in Christ. We're going to need to have that anchor and understand we are already equipped with power. We are already equipped with love. We are already equipped with a sound mind. And we've already been given that measure of faith. And we can do all these things through Christ who strengthens us. And I'll close with this. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 